The Punch Stevenson Show. PunchStevenson.com. Episode 238. Saturday, March 22, 2014. This is The Punch Stevenson Show. PunchStevenson.com. Episode 238. I am Rob. You are Greg. Yes. And we have some updates here. So first, we will start with celebrity deaths. <laughs> There's a couple. Yeah. So, born November 21st, 1944. Died February 24th, 2014. From autoimmune inflammatory vasculitis. Mm. 69 years old. Uh, person on the old TV sketch comedy show SCTV and Stripes and Ghostbusters, the yes. movie. Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Now, I don't think he was actually killed by this this strange disease. No. No, I, I think he was actually uh, killed by a ghost. <laughs> but he he wasn't afraid of no ghost. Oh, well, that doesn't matter, because they'll kill you. So what's your... It's it, Is it a conspiracy? What? No. No? No Jesse Ventura conspiracy? No conspiracy of the supernatural kind. Um, nah, I mean, this, this is, uh, you know... You, if you look at how Ramis, Ramis, whatever, and you, you look at his career, it, it is unbelievable how much, how many movies this guy was directly involved in in the creative process. Oh yeah, you know, comedy after like every single comedy of the from the late seventies through the early nineties was either like. John Hughes or Howard Ramis or both. Yeah. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. So it seems like even though he was very famous for playing, uh, e, what was it, e Egon? Egon uh, what was the last name? Spangler. Spangler. I collect spores, moles, and fungus. So he was very famous for that role in the Ghostbusters movie. But it seems like from what you're saying, he was he was actually a very behind the scenes guy. Yeah, I don't think he was. He was not. A, he was not the best of actors. <laughs> right. You know. Um, I mean, you look at it. Obviously, he was on SCTV for a few years. Um, he was in Meatballs. Uh, he was in Stripes, but also he directed. Uh, Caddyshack and wrote it. What was that? A picture. Oh, of what? Him. Where? Just click the link. I I don't see the link. Oh, I don't have the comments open. Okay. Why are you giving me a, a his picture? Like I don't know who Harold Ramis is. <laughs> because he looks so weird. Like later on after Ghostbusters, he had this. Really, uh, like fluffy, uh, fro there. Yeah, and he got he gained weight. Yeah, well, he he was fat from the early nineties. Uh, like Dan Aykroyd. 
Yeah, yeah, true. But I mean, yeah, he did that. Uh, he wrote Animal House. Uh, he directed, and I don't know if he wrote. I think John Hughes wrote it, but he directed National Lampoon's Vacation, Chevy Chase. Oh, really? Yeah, he wrote and directed uh, uh, Groundhog's Day. Uh, you know, he obviously was in a part of Ghostbusters, writing that. Uh, wrote Back to School, one of the writers on Back to School. Mm-hmm. With uh, me, Rodney Dangerfield. Oh. He wrote Analyze This. He wrote Analyze That. He wrote Year One. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stunk, but okay. He also directed it. Stuart Smalley saves his family. <laughs> oh no! Yep. Yeah, he directed. He directed multipl- Multiplicity, which I loved with Michael Keaton. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, Bedazzled. That stunk. And he was also one of the first directors on The Office. Really? Yeah, the Steve Carell Office. Oh, when they man. brought it over, he was one of the. So th- I mean, this guy is. Comedy legend. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of 80s, late 70s, 80s, early 90s. So, just terrible. Terrible. Now, uh, what was I going to say? Um... Now, they're still supposed... I don't know how, but they're still supposed to be doing the Ghostbusters 3. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So, now this... Uh, yeah, so... but Yeah, but doesn't this... Doesn't this uh, officially end any of those rumors? Well, no, because they were never... They, the original guys were never going to play a big role in the, in the film. Why not? Because, first of all, they could never get Bill Murray to do it. Why not? I, he won't do it. Oh, Why? here's the other thing. He's too I'll good to for Ghostbusters. He, he, he forgot his roots. He doesn't care. So, uh, Ivan Reitman, who, another comedy director, he directed the Ghostbuster movies. He was going to direct the third one, but then after uh, Harold Ramis died, he said, nah, you know what, I'm not going to direct it, I'll just produce it. But anyway, um, this is, I didn't even know this. Um, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray had some kind of, you know, the, again, Harold Ramis directed, wrote, whatever, uh, Groundhog's Day. Loved the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring Bill Murray. Yeah. And Chris Elliott. That's right. And Brian Doyle Murray! That's right. Um, but apparently they had a, they had a really tough time making it. Bill Murray was a, like a real big time jerk in the making of the film. And he was like always late. And kept criticizing everyone and, and just was a real pain. Yeah. And as uh, apparently he wanted the film to be much more dark. Almost like a psychological kind of thriller. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Instead of the comedy that it turned out to be. So he was very annoyed. And so for whatever the reason, he just stopped talking to Harold Ramis after that movie. Really? Yeah, so they, they really didn't talk... From 1993 on. What? Come on. What's wrong with... Why is Bill Murray such a jerk? Yeah, he's a jerk. Why? I don't know. So it... it I, I begin to see why... I didn't... Again, I had no idea. Nobody had any idea. Tower Ramis did some kind of an interview with a magazine 10 years ago. And said... Uh, 
I don't know if they asked him or somehow it got the subject got brought up and he's like, yeah, I don't talk to Bill Murray anymore. I've talked to him in 10 years. Wow. So here I am thinking, you know, people are like, oh, well, how come they, it's taking so long to make Ghostbusters 3? And then it just dawned on me. If Bill Murray hates him that much, he was never going to do the movie. Yeah, but now that Harold Ramis is dead, uh, maybe huh. now he will. Mm. Nah, I still don't think he'll do it. I was shocked, shocked, that they got him to do Ghostbusters, the video game. Uh, Bill Murray? Yeah. Hmm. I was very shocked. I, I, I was shocked they even got him to do that. Now, again... but then So if he did the video game, why wouldn't he do a movie? Well, again, but the video game, you're recording it on your own. You never have to see the other guys. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and he probably figured, hey, you know what? It's just a game. Uh, nobody will, you know, it will care either way. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why he's so vehemently against it. Uh, whatever. So, yeah, Harold Ramis is dead. Who else is dead? Oh, uh, w this happened a while ago, but we never mentioned it. Uh, the professor died. Uh... From Gilligan's Island. Let me think. Yeah, uh, what was his name? Russell something or other? Where, uh... I... Hello? Oh, no, I, yeah, I'm trying to find it. Russell Johnson. Was that who it was? Yeah, oh, yeah, right. in January. So, born November 10th, 1924, died January 16th, 2014, of kidney failure. Now, again, I don't believe that! That's not true. Uh, okay. Do you know how he died? Coconut poisoning? <laughs> he got stuck on an island again. Uh, wait, seriously? No. Oh, come on. 89 years old, the professor yes. on Gilligan's Island, Russell Johnson. Dead. Gilligan! Gilligan's Island. For some reason, that's... Actually, that's on TV Land a lot lately, and I have to say that whoever like, reprocessed the, the the film or the the picture, the picture quality is amazing. Oh, is it HD now? Yeah, yeah, I've seen them do that with a lot of the old shows now. Yeah, I mean, I, it was recorded on on not recorded. It was filmed on film. Well, that's they, that's that's why they were able to do it. I know, it looks amazing. The uh, show well, I mean, isn't amazing, but the, the picture quality is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say it's the reason they were able to do it, but the stuff from, like, the, you know, way back, the 50s, 60s, 70s, that they recorded the television shows on film, even 16-millimeter film, they can convert to HD very easily. Yeah. Because there's, so, I mean, it's film. It's, it's such a high resolution versus the stuff from, like, the 80s. Oh. Into the nineties that were all on v on video. Looks bad. It doesn't look that good. Well Seinfeld looks pretty good. I think they shot that on video. That, no, that was film. Oh was? Yeah. Wow. But like the Cosby show and Full House yeah. and, and those kinds of shows were on video and when I watched them on the H when I watched those shows on the H D channels. Yeah. Don't look that bad. No, no, they don't look terrible, but they're Obviously, there was a, a loss of quality there. Right. I mean, the only one that I know that they really went 
crazy with the rest- restoration video was like the next generation Star oh, yeah. Trek that they're still doing that they're because they, then they, that's even worse. They have special effects that were on video. It's it's <laughs> it's bad. I guess it's hard. Well, yeah, it's hard to upscale. Video is locked into a certain resolution. Yeah. And if they recorded it at 480i and they're yeah. upscaling it to 1080p, you know, there's only so many pixels there to interpolate and to work with. Whereas film, when you go back to the original film, there's still so much res- so much resolution there to capture. Well, not only that, but the film. I know when they did the original Star Trek series, I mean it was. It, I mean, so it's wide. The new stuff is widescreen because the film was widescreen. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh wow. So so they they would they cropped it for TV, I guess. Oh, back then, yeah, I guess so. Wow. All right, next. Well, it's uh, died. What? Uh, didn't somebody else die? Yeah, so... Born February 4th, 1936. Died March 15th, 2014. From cancer. 78 years old. Stand-up comedian David Brenner. Yes, David Brenner. Dead. Dead. He was, um... He was known for for his many appearances and hosting on the Tonight Show, yeah, Johnny Carson. But he was also, I mean, when you think about it, well, he was seventy eight, but still, he's like the last of that that generation, <laughs> yeah. you know, that like breakout generation of comedians, uh, Richard Pryor and, and George Carlin, and you know, Lenny Bruce. Well, Lenny Bruce, I guess, was a little bit older than that, but right. You know, Dangerfield, all of those guys, uh, and they're all dead, except for like Joan Rivers. <laughs> yeah, it's Joan true. Rivers, and somehow um, Don Rickles. Don, yeah, Don Rickles is still alive. Don Rickles will outlive every comedian. Jeez. So, but so David Brenner is one of those comedians that who. Um, even observational humor. Observ- yeah, observational humor. But but even when I look at a picture of him or I see footage of him from, from like, I don't know, back in the 1970s, like early 1970s, he he's just one of those guys who always looked old. <laughs> you ever notice that? I guess. There's just some guy, and I'm, I'm not insulting, I'm just saying there, there are some guys who just, they just always look like an old man. I don't like just even when even when they were like thirty five, they just looked like an old man. It's like it's like Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe has looked exactly the same for like thirty years, twenty five oh, years. He looks terrible. He does. Yeah. <laughs> now, like it, whatever that latest movie is, it oh, looks Noah, terrible. Noah's Ark. Oh well. So um, yeah, yeah, David Brenner. Um, what was I going to say? Hey, look at this. Ugh. I'm sure this is another picture. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. Looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> well, you know what it is? All of these, and again, to describe this picture, basically it's Russell Crowe. Somebody must have taken a picture of him on the street. And he's got like a very, very like military cropped haircut, very short. Yeah. And that's another one. 
And, you know, so his hair's graying a little bit, whatever. So his hair is, like, very well, you know, cut and all that. But his beard is this, like, this long, gross, half black, half gray, half brown. It's a hobo beard. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's this this unkept mess of a beard. He just looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But he does this. They all like Brad Pitt. Um, you know, uh, like all these these big time actors, when they're not working, they just they look like hobos. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, they look terrible. You know what? In this picture of Russell Crowe with the hobo beard, he looks like he and Zach Galifianakis could play father and son in a movie. <laughs> they both look like hobos. Uh, Galifianakis got an interview with uh, President Obama. Really? Yeah, oh, he did on, it on, on that, that Between Two Ferns Yeah, show. right. How'd it go? I thought Obama did pretty well playing along with, um, you know, the... The, the moronic Zach Galifianakis <laughs> character. <laughs> Good. Alright, so... First of all... I guess we'll talk about... Oh, alright, here. Uh, let's, let's get this one out of the way. Get out of the way. Our good friend and uh, listener, Spaceman David. Yeah. The, the man of man. many last names. The man from space. <laughs> Over in England. In England, yeah. So Spaceman David, I had to trouble him. Um, Wait a minute. You know how... Hold on a second. You know how in America, people who go to space are called astronauts? Yes. And in Russia, people who go to, into outer space are called cosmonauts. Yes. What are people in England called who go into outer space? Well, they're probably also astronauts, but he's more of what Stan Lee would call someone who goes into space. A brigadier? No! A spaceman! Oh. <laughs> it's the spaceman! That's right. What's his superpower? I don't know. He can he can make space <laughs> in your house for things. Yeah, I've been talking to on. to spaceman lately on like Facebook and Twitter. Apparently, like twenty years ago, he had <laughs> he looked like he 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 looked like a a um I, I guess I don't know he had this like you know his blonde it blonde hair but it was like a mohawk. Hmm. I could yeah. see that. Huh? I could see that. Yeah, it looked very rough and tumble. Yeah. Anyway, so um, there was this device for my video gaming that I needed. Basically, I've talked about this before. I have a lot of the old systems. I want to get the full, full color, RGB color out of them. So I have to use what they did in Europe, which was a SCART cable. Okay. So it's a 21, it's this gigantic 21-pin cable. And so I had something made that I could plug into that and it would split into like RCA kind of connections like that we have in the United States. And that goes into my video upscaler, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 
So there's this thing that Mad Cats, Mad Cats is a prominent third-party video game, you know, accessory maker. Yeah, cheap. Many years, yeah. So they made one, they made this Switch box for SCART. It's like four entries in it, and it goes, and there's a Switch. I wanted that so that I could, like, kind of bury the other plug in the back and, and, and you know, have more flexibility, whatever. And all the other connect these connectors, switch boxes that I was trying to get from the UK, these idiots would put it on eBay. Oh yeah, this is RGB. I would get it, and it would it was not RGB. It was only like S video. Yeah, which is not the same. It's it's a lower. You know, it's it's lower. It's good, but it's yeah. not. It's one notch below RGB. Uh, yeah, it's 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 all right, but it it wasn't good enough. So, some guy had them new in the package in England. They're very difficult to find in the United States, obviously. They were sold here. So, I went on eBay, and I was trying to get this guy to, to, buy, to, to, buy, to sell it to me. And he was being a pain. He wouldn't ship it to the United States. And he had three of them. And then, all of a sudden, he's like, uh, he wanted to sell me all three at this ridiculous price. I'm like, get lost. I'm not paying that. So, the spaceman was, was nice enough to bid on it for me. And receive the package and then ship it to me. And obviously I want to thank him for that. So he shipped it to me and I get it. And I'm like, why is this box so big? There's no reason for him to put it in such a big box. Right. So if And he, he had literally put, I think, five or ten pounds of packing tape on this box. <laughs> well, it was he wanted it to be very secure. So it took me like 20 minutes to get the damn thing open. So finally, I'm opening, opening, and I'm like, wait, there's something else in here other than this this, this, this uh, switch box thing. And I start th going through, and I, I dump it over, and first of all, there's a package of tea. Right. Tetley. Yeah? Tetley. Apparently, it's a British tea, I guess. But we have that here, too. Tetley. Okay, well, maybe he didn't know that. We have that brand here. But anyway, but thank you for sending that. Yes. I gave it to you because I don't I don't drink very much tea. Thank you. So, yeah. So that, and then there was this other surprise in there that I literally started laughing my butt off because I, I, I opened up, it's a book, and it's not just any book. <laughs> This, I mean, you talk about the history of the Paul Stevenson show. This goes back to episode one. Yeah. It is So You Want to Be a Dancer. <laughs> By William E. Thomas. Yes. And this is from... 1980? 19, copyright 1979. By William E. Thomas. Second printing, 1981. Yeah. Was good enough for two printings? Yeah, this had two printings. Can you believe that? Yeah, so anyway, this... The reason, you know, this... Back at the time we talked about this... When we were kids in, like, 5th, 6th grade, our elementary school library had this book. And the guy... There was this Asian guy on the cover of this book in black and white. The book was red. And he looked so ridiculous... <laughs> With suspenders. Oh, he looks like ridiculous. His leg to, is up in the air. Oh, we used to laugh all the time about it and all that. Right. So, um, and he was in the book too, you know, looking ridiculous. And, and we used to laugh about it. Why was this book from 1979 
called So You Want to Be a Dancer. Why was this in a children's school library? Because for kids that want to be a dancer. But it's actually kind of for adults, like resumes and, and headshots. But it's definitely a children's book. It's that type of a book. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm looking through this thing, and I'm going to myself, oh, there's a lot of nice-looking ladies in this book. Yeah. Which, again, at the time, sixth grade, we didn't care about that, so we never took notice of that. We only took notice of this ridiculous-looking George Takei guy. Right, on the cover. So, yeah, so we didn't, um, you know, obviously we'd seen that when we were kids, and we just thought about it, you know, one of the things we were talking about, like, wow, I wonder what happened to that book. And there was, like, a website that that had a the photo of the of the title you know, of the cover of the book and we talked about that well no 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 there wasn't a website i found the website i found the book listed on a ah, book selling okay. website but they did not have a picture of the cover mm. so i contacted them and i said listen i know this is going to sound really strange <laughs> but is there any way you can scan the cover of this book and send it to me mm. And I thought, well, it's, who knows? It's worth a shot. You never know what's going to happen. Someone from the from the website actually did it and emailed it to me. Yes. Yeah, this was like 2005. The thing was, like, you can't, you it, this book was very difficult to find. This was it was sort of like that that we talked about a couple of us ago that uh, that video game book that I found for you. Yeah. Uh, this, it was very difficult to find, and apparently we couldn't find it because apparently Spaceman David had bought it. <laughs> he bought the last surviving copy. Yeah, and uh, and had shipped, and then shipped it back over to us. So, and that is also in your possession. Yes, thank you, thank you, yes. and thank David and William E. Thomas and everyone. All right, so you've just sent me this site here. Is this really William E. Thomas? Is it really him? It has to be. So, Not so what I was I, expecting. I, He's. A, He's, but it he, doesn't say that he wrote anything. I, I, this could be a coincidence. No, no, no. He's a dance teacher. A dance... Whatever. Yeah, how do you know it's the same guy? It, how could there be two <laughs> William E. Thomas old <laughs> middle-aged guy, you know, dance master guys? Yeah, how, is this guy him. old enough to... Uh... It has to be him. Yeah, right. It has to be. Wow. Yeah, so that's uh, that's surprising. I, I didn't think I didn't even think he was still alive, but <laughs> so now I'm gonna email this dance Fornia oh, thing. Dancenia, C for dance Fornia. Oh boy, repertory ensemble. I'm gonna contact them and 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 we'll get William E. Thomas on the show. <laughs> Uh, how come all the women's pictures on here are they're naked? Um, no, they're not. <laughs> Wait, where? If you go to the ensemble, click on ensemble members. Oh, okay. They're all like naked from. Like, oh the, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Actually, it's a good observation. Maybe they dance naked. That's another thing I wouldn't have noticed in sixth grade. Yeah, because in the pi oh yeah, look in the pi they must dance naked because in their pictures. Really. They're they're all wearing like bath towels. Yeah. Oh, this, I gotta see this. Where where did where is this being performed? <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. Wait. Look at the first member. Jamie R. Rislin is a native of Montclair, New Jersey. Wow. Right next door. 
They must be... Because all these women, they're all from, like, Philadelphia, New Jersey. Yeah. So maybe he is, maybe he's close by. <laughs> we could become friends with William no. E. Thomas. Uh, boy, yeah, he must be, because he, all, a lot of his things here are, like, Buffalo. Um, he did stuff with Sesame Street or something. Yeah. Harlem. Yeah, he's got to be local. Interesting. Look at, Look what we're discovering now. I don't know if I want to, but... <laughs> Alright, so... Yes, obviously, thank you to the Spaceman. Spaceman David. Um, uh, oh, so, uh, real quick. Uh, smudge, or smidge? What is, what is his Curdlebound? Yeah, our smidge. fellow podcaster slash uh, uh, listener. Yeah. Smidge Curdlebomb. So, in the last episode we put up, which was 237... He referenced um, this comic, Paul Mercurio, who I've heard of him before. Yeah, and, I, I never heard of him. Yeah, I've heard of him. Uh, apparently, he has a po- every comedian has a podcast. I mean, it's ridiculous. So he has a podcast at Paul Mercurio's show, and apparently he got Paul McCartney to call into his show. The right, was What the hell? That's right. When I was recording uh, Sergeant Pepper's, yes, you know, uh, uh, Ringo uh. was—he—he uh, he learned how to play chess. I mean, when we first heard Ringo, we all looked at each other and we went, "Wow, <laughs> wow!" You uh, know, uh, and, and by the way, he's—he's—he's he's, he's a really good drummer. <laughs> God. So, was it the real Paul McCartney, or was oh, it was definitely an him. impersonator? Oh, please, no! It was definitely him because you could tell just. You know the, the obviously the voice, but the nonsensical, pointless answers. Oh yeah, you, you can't even fake. Nah. That was a pretty good interview. Uh, apparently, this guy uh, Mercurio is uh, the warm-up. Uh, he's like a warm-up comic for the Daily Show with John Stewart. All right. So, like, you know, he comes out and tries to warm the crowd up, get get them laughing, etc. And apparently McCartney must have been on the show, and they, you know, they were. I guess he was talking to him, and he, you know, said he was, yeah, I do a podcast. And McCartney's like, yeah, you know, I'll, yeah, I like to be on it. And so the guy's like, you know, he's like, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll tell your manager or whoever or your assistant. And McCartney's like, no, 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 nobody else. Give me your phone number. I'll call you. Really. He gives Paul McCartney his phone number, and McCartney calls him. Oh, man. How do we do this? Ah, you got to work for The Daily Show, I guess. Jeez. Your writing process, one of the things you talked about is early on, um, you would write to the audience, for the audience, and then you reach the point where you stop doing that and, and writing for yourself. And it's very parallel in a lot of ways to comedy, where you will initially write material, I think, when you're starting out, that's going to please crowd and then you start to want to write from a more personal place. A lot of great comedians mm-hmm. have done that, uh, Richard Pryor and, and, and Lenny Bruce. And it, it, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Talk about that a little bit. Like, when did you make that turn? Is it a matter of getting enough self-confidence to go, you know what, I'm going to do this more for me and what I want to say as opposed to what I think people want to hear? And When did that turn? Yeah, happen? you know, I think I think the thing is, with, with everything we did and still with stuff I do now, there's never really a conscious decision 
to do this or that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing is, the whole thing is, I'm just going to do it and see how it comes out. And I think as you develop, you know, at first you think, okay, I'm just going to do it now. People are going to hear these songs, so this better be something that relates to the audience. And, you know, you worry more about that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But as, you say, as you say, once you go on a bit, you think, well, I've kind of been there, done that. And now right. I've sort of got that out of my system. And maybe these people I'm writing for Mm-hmm. What do you think to accept something that's a little bit out of left field? Let's see. And but just amazing that he, he just goes and does it. I mean, what else is he doing? Well, bad music? Yes. Um, all right, so before we get into some other stuff, I guess we'll talk about where we went. Yeah. In this episode. Um, uh, we had a couple of in, uh, uh, excursions with some celebrity friends uh, in this episode. We'll also talk about a uh, return of one of our favorite guests, maybe the favorite guest on the Parch Stevenson Show in the next episode. Uh, favorite guest? Yes! So we just saw him the other day! Um, why am I drawing a blank? Ed Begley! Oh, yeah. Ed Begley! <laughs> Sorry, I was drawing a blank for some reason. Oh. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm literally reading this book as you're talking. Reading what book? So you want to be a oh. dancer. What, are you going to be a dancer? No, I'm just... You, you mentioned the pictures in it, so now I'm looking at all the pictures. We're doing a show here! Alright, alright, alright. Putting it down. It's down. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. So, a few weeks ago, we went to a comic book show in Manhattan. Called? It was called the New York Comic Book Marketplace. Uh, not exactly. Yes, it was. Not exactly. No, it was... Yes. No. Mike uh. Carbo's... Oh, who is that? A magician. What? New York comic book marketplace. Was he there? I have no idea. Alright, so... Um... Yeah, so we were going to go to this thing uh, because it, a certain wrestler and a couple other guys were going to be there that we that I wanted to meet. And so it was also a pretty convenient place. It was literally across the street from um, Penn Station, New York. Yeah. What are you sending me now? His picture. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he looks like Howard Ramis without a beard. <laughs> kind of. No, nah, he's scarier, though. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we're going to this. It's a, basically, you know, it's like a comic book show, flea market, whatever. I sent you it's, one more. Sorry. Ugh. You got to look at it. You have, you, you have to look at it. All right, hold on. It's the same vendors that show up at, you know, New York Comic Con and all that kind of stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> he doesn't look like Harold Raymond. He looks like a skeleton. Now he looks like G.E. Smith. <laughs> All right, so anyway, so sorry. So it's comic yeah, so, book vendors. Yeah, and there's some com- you know comic book artists 
and a few celebrities, whatever. So, um, so I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll go. You know, it wasn't that expensive. It was like 20 bucks or whatever. So, um, we, we took the train first time, uh, not for me, but I think first time for you, there's this station in Secaucus, New Jersey that we just take the highway in. We park there. We get on the train, takes us right to Penn station in 15 minutes. Very easy. A lot easier than when we used to drive all the way to Jersey city. We would park. Then we would walk to the Journal Square Path station. We would get on. And then like an hour later, we were in New York. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So this was much more convenient. So we go to this place. Uh, we get there. You know, we pay. We go in. Walking around. And, and we're like, yeah, let's go right to the to the celebrities. We can't find anybody. Right. Where are, Where is all these people? Well, apparently there was this like balcony on the second floor of the ballroom of the New Yorker Hotel. And you had to walk around this, like, spiral staircase, went up there. And so then, you know, that's where the the guests were. Well, first of all, the main guy I wanted to get, um, who was added late, he was a replacement for somebody else, was Roddy Piper. Yeah, Hot Rod. Hot Rod, Roddy Piper, wrestler from They Live, from It's Always Sunny, etc. Yeah. Body slam. Now he wasn't there. Apparently, he had canceled that morning. Right. Well, right. when we when when we first walked, we walked up to the cashier. Each paid twenty dollars. Got the wristband. Searched around. We didn't care about any of the comic book stuff. We're searching around. We immediately wanted to go to him. Yeah. And we're like searching around, searching around. One of the guys working there. Oh, he canceled at the last minute. Yeah. We're like, oh, well, so, so then we went back to the cashier, not an hour later, like two minutes later, went back to the cashier. We're like, hey, listen, we just, you remember us. We just paid like 10 minutes ago. We came here specifically for Roddy Piper. He's not here. He canceled. Can we, you know, this is pointless for us. Can we just get the, <laughs> our money back? Oh, no, we're not in charge of that. And All right. Well, anyway, so there were some other people we wanted to meet there anyway. Um... One of them was the great voice actor, 1980s, Larry Kenny. Yes. Lionel. <laughs> um, he was very, very nice. Tremendous. So Larry Kenny's sitting there, and he's got you know his 8x10s out there, posters, whatever gets signed. Now, again, just to remind you, uh, on our show, Esteban was on our show, and he talked about how he interviewed Larry Kenny or, or was asking him questions at one of those conventions he goes to in Florida and he made him cry. <laughs> Which I, I, I can't imagine that, but he he says he did. He's got the audio. I've heard it. Yeah. So I we don't want him to cry. So Larry Kenny <laughs> is sitting there and we go up to him and I'm like, you know, I, hey, I want to get a an autograph, whatever, and... I'm like, look, you know, we have this podcast and, and pop culture and we're big fans. Can we talk to you for like five, ten minutes? And he goes, yeah, yeah, sure. Just uh, we can't, you know, let's let, let's go out in the hall somewhere. It's too noisy. We're like, oh, oh, fine. Yeah. Yeah. He did it right then and there. He just got up and he's like, yeah, I can, <laughs> yeah I've been just, sitting too long. I could use a break anyway. Yeah. So he just gets up. We go onto the hallway 
And there we have this great interview with Larry Kenny, you know, legendary voice actor, Lionel yeah. from the Thundercats. And, uh, you know, we asked him a bunch of questions. It was about 10 minutes long interview. And then at the end, he did the whole, he did this really cool, you know, uh, Lionel uh, speech. Yeah. The Sword of Omens. Yes. The Sword of Omens. <laughs> I can't do it. I am Lionel. The Sword of Omens. Panthro. <laughs> obviously, I didn't want to do that to his face. All right. And even though I think I do it pretty good, he does it obviously perfect. Well, it's him. It's him. It's actually very similar to his normal speaking voice. Yeah, and he talked about, you know, we, it was a great interview. He talked about how uh, he got started in the business and, you know, some some goofy stories and different things like that. So we'll play that now. So this is Robin Gregg with the Paunch Stevenson Show, paunchstevenson.com, and we are here with legendary voice actor, Mr. Larry Kenny. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here with you guys. Thank, and thank you. you for, for coming here. We're in, uh, in New York City at the uh, New York Comic Book Marketplace. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is great. So I'm going to dive right in, take a couple <laughs> minutes of your time. Go ahead. Um, Number one, we're very we're, we do a pop culture podcast. So we're very fascinated with pop culture and especially uh -huh. the behind the scenes stuff. Okay. So you, of course, you're known for Lion O. Yeah. On the Thundercats. Right. How did you get involved with that? How how, how does a voice actor get involved with? Well, it, well, the process is audition. You know. Um, how, so how do you learn about something? You're, well, you have to have an agent to be in this business. You have to have an agent if you work in the. New York or LA or Chicago or someplace, you know, a big city. Uh, and and if, if you want to do national and international work, you know, you, you have to have an agent. So um, what happens is that uh, one day I'll get a call from my agent and he'll say, let's say uh, on Monday or Tuesday at a certain time, you'll go to a certain place and you're going to audition for this new uh, cartoon series that Rankin Bass is going to do. It's called Thundercats. So, uh, and he'll tell you whatever he knows about it. And then uh, on that on that given time, on that day, you show up at the place and you audition. You, you, you know, you give them your idea of what you think the voice sounds like for the character you're auditioning for. So they give you a, a little script or something? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, give you, yeah. they definitely give you a script. And in the case of an animated series like Thundercats, and then... Uh, Silverhawks, we did for them, and Tiger Sharks. In the, in the case of a, of a series like that, first of all, when you walk into the to the uh, place where the audition is being held, the walls are lined with with pictures of the characters. There'll be little storyboards. There'll be uh, uh, pages of description of the characters. And, uh, you know whether they're a good guy or a bad guy. And, you know, generally something about them. That gives you an idea of, uh, gives you a basis from which to start thinking about what, what you think the character should sound like. And then uh, when it's your turn, you know, they call your name, you go in the studio, and, uh, and you audition. Then you go home, and you hope that you, that you get a call from your agent the next day saying you got the job, and fortunately in that case I did. 
So for an actor like yourself, when your agent calls you up and says, hey, there's this uh, children's cartoon show, are you thinking, this is great, or are you thinking, well, it's uh, a children's show? No, it's work. <laughs> if anytime they call, anytime, anytime your agent calls and says, I got a job for you, he's like, yes! <laughs> you know? uh, no, and, and I had never done uh, an animated series or a cartoon show before that before Thundercats and the, the funny thing is when I got there I, I saw on the scripts Rankin Bass company and I was immediately excited because I grew up watching Rankin Bass's Christmas specials like uh, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and Frosty the Snowman and all that so when I got the job I can imagine how I felt, and now I'm working for Rankin Bass. You know, right, yeah, yeah, it really was uh, an honor. When you got the call, hey, Larry, yeah, <laughs> you have this audition. How long had you been in the biz? Well, I started in radio uh, when I was 15 years old, back in 1963. Wow! So I, I had been in the business for what uh, 20 years by then, right. and. Um, yeah, I started as a disc jockey when I was 15 years old at Peoria, Illinois. How, how so young? That's well, uh, long story short, we had a radio class at my high school. We actually had a, did a radio show every day over telephone lines at the local radio station. And uh, after I had been on done that for about a year, some, I got a call from the local radio station saying, "Hey, we have an opening for uh, you know a guy for two hours a week on Saturdays." And I auditioned for that, and I got it. And then that led to doing evenings, weekends, vacation relief. And then I finally got my own show when I was about 17. <laughs> have you always had this very nice baritone voice? Yes, I have. And uh, thank God, because I have no other skills. I, uh, I would starve if I didn't have this, this voice. So uh, it's a blessing. When you go into... Um, when, so you, you you get the job as Lion mm -hmm. and Thundercats. Yeah. It's the 1980s. <clears throat> yeah. You go in to, to read your lines on the show. Mm -hmm. Is it just you in a dark booth by yourself? Are no. you surrounded by... No. Unfortunately, that's the way my business is today. Mm -hmm. Almost everything you do, you're in a little booth by yourself. Uh, yeah, always. How, why, though? Why, I don't know. It it's just the business has changed so much. Uh, it's just difficult to schedule everybody. It, it may be that. It could be. I don't know. But when we did Thundercats, we were always in the room together, all yeah. six, five or six of us. Yeah. And always. And in fact, when Warner Brothers uh, came up with a new Thundercats series in 2010 or 11, I think it was, and they, they hired me to do Claudus, Lionel's father. I was excited, and they flew me out to out to Warner Brothers Ranch in Burbank to record the first episode. Right. And I was so excited, I walk in this enormous studio, and there are six microphones in a semicircle, just the way we used to do it here in New York. Right. And I'm standing around telling jokes, and all of a sudden, one of them said, we better get started. And I said, well, where are the rest of the actors? And they said, no, it's just you today. And I was so disappointed. Same thing when I worked on Family Guy. I thought I was going to be. Um, I thought I was going to be, you know, with Seth MacFarlane and everybody. No, I was. I was in a little booth in New York all by myself. They're too busy, I guess. I guess so. It's 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 too bad because it's taken a lot of fun out of the business. I mean, I'm not knocking. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a you know like a spoiled brat. But one of the 
one of the most fun parts of this business for me has always been working with other some very talented actors, you know. Like and, who? Oh, well, everybody in Thundercats. They were the greatest. <laughs> Bob McFadden, Earl Hammond, and, and, uh, and Earl... Uh, gee, you put me on the spot here now. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Peter, Peter Newman, Jerry Ann Raphael, uh, Lynn Lipton, Earl Hammond, and Earl... Oh, my gosh, I've forgotten. Now, one of the things I was going to ask was the... It seemed like the rank for Rankin Bass. It seemed like the same group of actors did almost all the shows. Yeah, we did. Filmation. It was almost the same group of actors mm-hmm. at all the shows. Yeah. Sunbow was the same kind of thing. Yeah. So it was kind of like like you got the one job, and they're like, all right, we've already got him. Yeah. So let's just push out all these. Other I think that's what it is because it, when they find somebody they like and they yeah. a group they like and they find a group that works well together. You're right. We did Thundercats, and then the same core group of us did Tiger Sharks, Silver Hawks. We did a Saturday morning uh, series of four four cartoons in two hours called uh, the Comic Strip, Karate Cat, Street Frogs. Uh, I've forgotten the rest of them. And then, basically, the same group of us did three or four holiday animated series like A Star for Jeremy, Twelve Days of Christmas, Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. So, yeah, you're right. Once they get a group of, that they like, uh, they, they thank goodness they hang on to. I was going to ask you about the new series, which I I watched, yeah. and I mean, when a lot of times when they remake the old cartoons, it's you know, it never mm-hmm. it's never really the same. Yeah. That show, for whatever the reason, just seemed to capture the original show so well, and. I mean, it had like orchestral yeah. music. I mean, the animation was ter- terrific. Yeah, the it was artwork. It was great stories. Yeah. I mean, you were in it, which made it even. I know you weren't one of the main characters, but you know, it was so great to hear that voice again, even yeah. though it wasn't just Lionel. And right. then yeah. only one year. I thought they did a fantastic job with it too. I, I really don't know. The word I hear from the people that I still have contact with at Warner Brothers is that it has to do with the toy sales, yeah. which is not, which is beyond their reach. Um, because you see it, uh, and it's expensive to produce. It's very expensive to produce. Yeah, but my, I heard that the the ratings on Cartoon Network were good. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised because Cartoon Network did a lousy job with it. <laughs> and then they never promoted it, and they put it on a weird hours. And, yeah. But see, that's the problem. You can come up with the greatest show in the world. Like Warner Brothers came up with a great show, I think. But but then once it's out of their hands, once it's sent to the network, whatever network, then they have to do a good job promoting it. They have. And in this case, with animated series, the toy company has to promote the toys or make the, make the right toys, promote them correctly. And I guess that didn't go very well. So, I don't know. I just talk for a living. So, I don't, you know. <laughs> well, Mr. Kenny, thank you so thank much. Thank you, guys. Can you give us sure. a sort of omens? <laughs> give me sight beyond Sort of omens. Give me sight beyond sight. Wait, wait, wait. I blew it. I blew it. I could do it again. Take so, okay, take two. Erase <laughs> them. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. Thunder, thunder, thundercats. Ho! Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Okay, guys. Oh. Nice to see you. Can we get a picture, too? Sure. All right, we're back. Did you know that Larry... Ke- see, we went to the convention... We interviewed Larry Kenny, really, really great, awesome, nice guy, very kind and accommodating and friendly. And then afterwards, that night when I was back at home, I'm like, you know, what what else has he done? Let me look him up. And I find out, oh, he's been in radio uh, for since the 60s. He said that. No, I know, but 
he was part of the Imus in the Morning oh, okay. cast, Don Imus, Imus. show. Hey, uh, hey Charles, uh, gonna go to uh, Larry <laughs> Kenny here. Imus right. in the Morning. Quack, quack! Yeah, and he was doing uh, uh, just different characters right. and, and, and celebrity impersonations. And, 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 and his uh, daughter is an actor. Yeah, and, and, right? and I didn't realize his daughter is Kerry Kenny Silver from the old sketch comedy show with the state and from reno 911 uh she's done so many things the the comedian she was in role models and and and, uh wanderlust and all these things i'm like oh man she was on always sunny was she yeah she was in it's uh the episode the gang gets analyzed she was their therapist oh yeah that's (laughs) right yeah yeah Um, see like so oh man yeah, so Larry Kenny, um, he was great. And then we, next, sitting next to him was Larry Storch. Yes. Who you you shook his hand at the chiller. Uh, Larry Storch, of course, from the original Ghostbusters, from F Troop. Yeah. Uh, he's like 90-something years old. It's ridiculous. 91. So uh, I just, I figured, you know what, he's sitting there. I kind of felt bad for him. I'll, I'll pay for an autograph. Oh, well, we also got a picture with Larry Kenny. So I, I got a little autograph on an old uh, 8x10 of, of the Ghostbusters show, Larry Torch. <laughs> yeah. You know, with him, the other guy, and the go- the gorilla. And um, then we got a picture with him. And, you know, he was really, you know, he was uh, very nice. And, you know, obviously he's very soft-spoken and whatever. And Very, very friendly. Very yes. nice. Very... Um... Yeah, he just—he was really nice. He—he's done uh, uh, cartoon voices. Oh yeah, everything. Very long career, yeah. successful now, career. Also, there was um, there was a couple other people there, but one of them was the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. Oh yeah, <laughs> I care about him. Yeah, I mean, no one was at his table. We could have very easily gone up to him and probably even done an interview, but. You know, what are we going to say to the guy? Um, so then, um, and so then also there we wanted to meet was uh, John Brennan. Yeah. By the way, so, sorry, on Larry Storch's Wikipedia page, one of the sections actually says he signs autographs at film festivals, including Chiller Theater. There you go. <laughs> hmm. So, um, John Brennan was there, I think with his wife. And yeah. Of course, he's the... And his daughter. Oh, okay, I didn't realize it. So he's, you know, the, the main guy behind the Jerky Boys. Yeah, the mastermind. Yeah, from our, our youth, from back in the 90s, the Jerky Boys. Yeah. He was nice. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was really friendly and, and enthusiastic. He had the Jerky yeah. Boys shirt on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I got him to sign a CD of the Jerky Boys. Yeah. Um, and we also got a picture with him. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, he was very nice. And we asked him to do an interview uh, there, but he, he didn't seem like he... he I, I don't think he wanted us to, like, hog him while, like, somebody could, like, walk by the table or something. Right. Whatever. So he gave you an email address or something like that. So yeah, he gave me his email address. We we've been emailing. Yeah, still, we're waiting for him to be available. 
yeah, we're gonna we're going to interview Johnny B <laughs> on the Plunge Stevenson show from the Jerky hey, Boys. Hey, it's me, Kissel. <laughs> no, that sounded nothing like. That sounded nothing like him. <laughs> Saul, Saul Rosenberg. Oh yeah. Oh. I need the the wild boy scenes. <laughs> Stop that. I'm looking for a oh. wrench, Jerky. <laughs> He's also on Family Guy. He plays that... Uh, no, not Family Guy. Yeah, um, it is Family oh, it is fa- Yeah, he pe- plays that, like, old, rickety, that old, uh, like, that, like, like disheveled guy with the red hair. Mort. Yeah, the, he, yeah he's the, the pharmacist, Mort. Yeah. Mort Goldman, who is... A modified voice of Saul Rosenberg, eh. and then he played Horace the bartender, who was a modified voice of Frank Rizzo. Frank Rizzo. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully we can we can put that together and uh, play it on a future episode. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I have so many questions. Seriously, I wrote down so many questions. What? I have so many que- <laughs> about these calls. I have so many oh. questions. Well, they don't even need me. Well, actually, he... I didn't find out about this until, again, after we met him, but I was doing some research about him a few weeks ago, and... Because you're so well-prepared. Very well-prepared. So, (laughs) I I like to be spontaneous. I don't want to be all rehearsed, Mm. but... um, So, anyway, um, he actually did a 17-episode podcast a couple years ago. I think it was 2012. Yeah, and it's on i it's 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 in the iTunes store. It's free, and um, he did give some insight into his backstory and 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 his his family and the inspiration for the characters and how he used to record. Well, we'll these. we'll we'll talk about that when we get him then. Yeah, but it's it's cool hearing that. But but my point is, even after hearing him talk about these things. Mm. Not too in depth, but but talking about them, I still have a whole list of questions uh, for him. Okay, so while we were there, uh, there was a vendor there, uh, a couple of guys from I think from the area, artist, and I don't know. I guess I guess the guy drew. I don't know if he hand drew these things or what the deal was, or if they were computer done with computer. But he did these like very these. I don't know. I'm not even sure what the artistic term is. Um, they were kind of like, uh, like off colored, um, movie posters from like a lot of 80s stuff, you know, Goonies or Back to the Future or Transformers and, Wait, well, you know. But what do you mean off colored? You know, they were like crazy colors. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they were very stylized, very graphic. Yeah. yeah so. And they also had some 3D in them. Yeah, with glasses. Yeah, yeah with these glasses that the kid had there. So I was like, oh, yeah, those look really cool. I didn't want a gigantic one. So I got like a small, like 11 by 17 Back to the Future, which is really cool. And, you know, with the glasses, a lot of it stands out and all that. Yeah. Um, and I got a couple of Transformer ones. That they're, they're, it's like... Yeah, they're they're long ways, and it's like Optimus Prime's head and Megatron's head, and underneath says Transformers the movie, and yeah. those didn't really jump out that much with the 3D, but uh, they were pretty cheap, 
uh, the prints, and I gave them to our, our friend, uh, Frankie, who's uh, a Transformers fanatic. So, um... I thought this guy's poster... First of all, his website, which isn't that good, but his website is one... The word, O-N-E. Yeah. O-N-E, sheetstudios.com. So, onesheetstudios.com. Uh, and... But I posted pictures of his booth and all the posters on in, in on Flickr. Yeah. And uh I thought they were really well done. He had a Star Wars yeah. ones, Back to the Future, oh, yeah. Nightmare on Elm he Street. Had, he had a they he had this awesome they live poster. Again, I don't know if he did them or if he just printed them out, but this thing was awesome. I know. I'm and and I'm looking at him like Damn, you know, I wish I could have gotten this guy Roddy Piper to sign it, but he wasn't there. I know. Batman, Robocop. He had, like, so many of these really cool... He even had a poster of, of little squares, like, like in a grid of the old um, WWF wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, his, his work is great. This, this one-sheet studios guy, his, his work is great. Yeah. So that was cool. So then as we were getting ready to leave... There was a bunch of, of people in Star Wars costume. Yes. Cosplayers. Yes. <laughs> now, um, uh, so while we were, they were out there waiting, waiting for the elevator or something. And um, they had one, you know, so they're all, and then we we're like talking to them about, I was talking about the new upcoming Star Wars movie and all that, and how we were all equally uh, apprehensive about it. Right. And what was annoying to me was um, this, I guess it was a girl dressed up as like a Boba Fett bounty hunter type thing. So, you know, she had all the gear on, she had the helmet, and she, even though everybody was standing around talking, she didn't take the helmet off. Right. So while we're all talking, this stupid girl is talking through, I don't know, like this, through the helmet, it's all like muffled. Right. And I'm like, I can't hear you. Shut up. Like, shut up. Sounds like the teacher from Charlie Brown. So I just, I felt bad. I just had to ignore her. Nah. I'm like, take the damn helmet off. I also have pictures of that on Flickr. <laughs> and there was this other guy. I don't even know if he was supposed to be a Star Wars character. Stupid fat guy. Apparently had your ear. <laughs> you wouldn't... I don't know how you always get the most ridiculous <laughs> whack jobs that come up and talk to you. I don't know. He's going into like his whole... Like, first of all, as our listeners know, and you know, I am not on Facebook... No, nor are you a Star Wars fan. <laughs> no, but this guy is like, oh yeah, if you go on to Facebook, we have a group on there. I forget what he said it was called, but it's this group. But no, wait, actually, don't go to that group. Go to this other group because the guys on that uh, other group are jerks. So if you go to this other group, <laughs> it's like me and, and 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 these other people, and we do. And I'm just like, first of all, even if I were interested, I'm not going to remember any of this. <laughs> Second, even of if all, you were, what would you do on Facebook with them? Nothing. Yeah. What, are you going to dress up and go, you know, go up to conventions with them? No, nothing. You know, what annoys me is at this, right now, in fact, is recording this, Esteban down in Florida is at this convention called Megacon. What's that? 
Yeah, it's one of the many conventions uh, that, that they have down in Florida. Is it a convention of Megatron? No, it is not. So, no. um... No, so... But for some reason, there's some Star Wars group down there. I don't know if they they bought this or they must have made it on their own, but they have these, like, full, like, Star Wars, like, miniature, like, sets really? that you could, like, go in and play in and take pictures in. They're awesome. They never come up here. I know. Why? I don't know. Come on. I don't know. It's like, why, you know, the BotCon. Why well, cannot get a BotCon in the Northeast? It's probably too expensive. Well, the, Esteban's always like, well, you know, they put it in the, in the middle of the country. Well, this year it's in freaking Los Angeles. Oh, well, there goes my too expensive theory. Well, so. BotCon. Is Frank Welker there? You no, know, he doesn't go to those things. He says they don't ask him. What? What do you mean they don't I, ask I, him? Are you I, kidding I, me? I can't believe that. Huh? I can't believe that. <laughs> Come on, he could he could do the Megatron voice. <laughs> so um so we left and we decided that I wanted to go buy the Nintendo World Store. In Manhattan. I've never been there, and they have this old... Well, I thought that they had this old prototype for the Nintendo Entertainment System called the Nintendo AVS or something like that. They did. Yeah, well, I thought that they had it. Yes, and they had I it one saw time. it. Well, so... All right, so we wound up walking there. That took like half an hour. Yeah. We get there, we go in, we go upstairs. Again, Nintendo World Store, people don't realize this in Manhattan. Very small. Well... It's it's not that big. It's not the size of Macy's, but... I thought it was very big. It's not and the size of a closet, either. Nah, it's, it, it, it's two floors. Yeah, but it's it's small, and it's kind of weird. It's like in the middle of the street. What? Yeah, it's like in the middle of that street. It's, it's, no, not, it's on I the, don't mean in the middle It's, street, it's on the but, corner. Yeah, I know, but of the longer street. You know what I'm saying? It's... Never mind. Um, it's Rockefeller so, Plaza. So it's a little bit hidden. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, so we went there, uh, and they did not have it. So I was kind of annoyed with that. Mm. Um, so I really had no other interest of being there. Uh, so then we went to eat. And where did we eat? Oh, uh, jeez. Like uh, Lenny's or... Yeah, Lenny's Sandwich Shop. I don't know how many of these are around, but I thought they were pretty good. Yeah, I... I it didn't look that fantastic inside. It was okay inside, but the food was fine. Yeah. Many different sandwich options to choose from. Yeah, see, Lenny's, uh, is it the Lenny's Sub Shop? Is this it? It was, yeah, it was lennysnyc.com. Uh, okay, maybe that's not it. No, it is not Lenny's Sub Shop. It is a different Lenny's The Ultimate Sandwich. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, and uh, where are they? It looks like they're they're all in New York. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I I like that. And then we uh, we walked back and uh, we went home. And fortunately, and surprisingly, it was because the weather here in northern New Jersey for the uh, for months has been putrid, literally below freezing. Yeah. Every single day, just about every single day. And Ridiculous. 
for whatever reason, we got lucky that day and we were walking around Manhattan. I, I was all bundled up expecting to be freezing. It was actually a pretty decent day out. Yeah, because you don't look at the weather. Yeah, because it's wrong half the time. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so that, uh, we did that. Um, you know, speaking of, uh, Star Wars, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the guy that they hired to be the, I don't know, one of the villains or the main villain in this, uh, new uh, Star Wars movie, episode, uh, seven is on this TV show that you're, I think, I believe you're familiar with. What? Uh, his name is uh, Adam Driver. Never heard of him. Oh, maybe not, but you've seen him. <laughs> okay. And he's like this tall, lanky guy, and he's on the HBO show Girls. I don't watch that. <laughs> I've never watched it. But, come on, but what's your opinion of it? It's terrible. <sighs> God, it's, it's, this is what I don't understand. The TV show Girls is, let me, hold on, let me pull this up here. It stars Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham, yeah, that, right, that's who I was trying to find. So. And what's your opinion on her? (laughs) (laughs) She's a little weird, but, but whatever, you know, I'm not gonna, whatever, she's fine. But she is so unattractive, <laughs> physically unattractive. And it's one of those shows. It's like the Woody Allen movies and, ah. and, and like the Seinfeld TV show where these people are writing themselves parts yeah. in their own shows or their own movies. And they're giving themselves these, these un, super unrealistically attractive <laughs> partners in the show and it's like no (laughs) so this this lena dunham woman is like so repulsive and and physically unattractive yet on the show every episode she's she's sleeping with different men and it's like nobody would ever sleep with this woman in real life ever it's so unbelievably unrealistic ever i mean not like the the quality of guys that are on the show. Right, like, right. Like, yeah, maybe like some fat, you know, weirdo. So, but like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's too unrealistic. Although she was on Saturday Night Live, she hosted and it was pretty funny. She's funny, but but she's just very ugly. I'm sorry, but she's very ugly. And. Uh, not involving her, but the opening uh, montage on the episode was the guy who plays Obama. Oh, Jay Farrow. Yeah, and Liam Neeson. Yeah. The actual right. Liam Neeson. That's right. And they were talking about how Russia had taken over this, this province Crimea from Ukraine. And so then, uh, you know, Liam Neeson showed up and he's like, he's like, I, I, I'm not a diplomat. I don't, I, I don't know very much about diplomacy or uh, international relations 
But what I have is a very specific set of skills. <laughs> He's like, Crimea has been taken. <laughs> I was <laughs> laughing. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was funny. And uh, while we were walking uh, around on the street, uh, we walked past uh, this theater where apparently they have they're having Rocky the Musical. Yes, uh, that, that is, everything uh, gets turned into Broadway. a musical. Broadway. Why? I because and you because you know why. Why? You know why? Because there is this the same six hundred people in the New York area oh. who see every Broadway musical. I know, but why? Because it's Broadway. I mean, seriously, can you imagine in the middle of Rocky, Sylvester Stallone just starts singing a a, a show tune? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I know. I know it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Next. Now, have they uh, have they declared who is the mother yet and how I met your mother? It's like all I care about this show. I don't even watch the show. I just want to know who's the who's the mother. Uh-huh. <laughs> don't even get me started. Listen, oh boy, I I for the past several years I have enjoyed the TV show How I Met Your Mother. Very much. I'm a, I, I was a very big fan of this show. But after maybe like five or six seasons, I said, all right, now they're really... Like by the sixth season, seventh season, eighth season... Said, and you've... I know, and it's, you've told this exact story like eight times. They're just dragging it out. But this is it! Too long. No, I know, but for the past several... For, for the past few years, they've been dragging it out, and it's like... My idea was you can show the mother and, 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 and Ted, the character Ted, can meet the mother and be on the show and you can still have a show. The show doesn't have to, because I, I would tell this to people. It's like, you know, why don't they bring the mother on the show and they meet and they date and they get married? And, and it's still a funny show. You got all the different friends and the character. Yeah, but it was part of the, the suspense was whether or not one of the main cast members was the mother. Right. And they kept dragging it out. But but so I would tell that to people and they would say, yeah, but then when they show the mother, that then the show's over. And I said, why? Why does the show have to be over? It doesn't make any sense. So anyway, so they dragged it out. I was losing interest for a couple of years. And then last season, there were rumors that that's going to be that's it. It's not coming back. It's over. Yeah. And I guess they fought and, and whatever. And 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 um, but it's not over. No, so so now they came back for this one final season to wrap everything up. Yeah. CBS allowed them to come back and wrap everything up. Okay. So we're in this final season now. I got some bad news for you. What? It still may not be resolved. No. Well, so let me explain. So it came back... And I was like, oh, all right, all right, all right. What, one last season, they're going to resolve it. We're going to meet the mother. It's going to be funny. I was excited for it. And it has be- not become, but it is probably the worst season of TV uh, I've ever seen in my life. Oh, no. Because they had the bright idea Uh-oh. 
to not just have a regular normal season where they progress through a season or whatever. No. The entire season takes place in one 24-hour period. Ah, I hate that. So you have 26 episodes, and in each episode, not... Because each episode is is like a forty five minute slice in time condensed down into like a twenty two minute episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing is happening. <laughs> Nothing is happening. I, I, I'm sitting uh... through this season week after week after week, and they're just dragging it out in slow motion. Nothing happens. I, I, I want to reach through the TV and kill these people. Well, I have some bad news for you, though. Well, they no. may not resolve it. No, because here's the thing. They have shown the mother. Okay. And they're, they're, they're trying to get really fancy with, like, flashbacks and flash yeah. forwards. And look. But, but, look yeah, but here's the thing, though. What? I, I, and again, I was, I saw this because uh, Eliza Dushko had posted this on Twitter or something. That she was reading a script for a new show called How I Met Your Father. I know. So they will never end because they won't tell you who the mother is. And even if they do, then they'll trick you and, and not tell you who the father really is. <laughs> I don't care. I'm done. And now there'll be a whole other series nah. where you'll know the mother, but you won't know who the father actually was. I'm done. So anyway, they have shown the mother. All right. Ted and the mother haven't really gotten together yet. They would... Finally, this past episode... There's only two more episodes left, and and that's Ugh. it. It's done. So That's it? We're in March. Huh? We're in March. Two episodes to go, and we're done. That's it. So, finally, in this third to last episode, Ted and the mother went out on a date. Yeah. And... I don't... I, I, I just feel like the past couple of years... That it, had so much potential. They could have met. They could have dated. She could have become part of the group of friends and had all the kind of hijinks and laughing and funny situation. And now it's just like two episodes to go, and they have all this ground to cover, which I'm sure they're not going to. I'm, not, I'm sure this finale is going to stink, just like every other finale. But yeah. Oh my well, God. can I ask you something? How is it a 24-hour? They don't sleep. No. Because it is, it's Barney and Robin's wedding Ugh. day. Now that's something I, I, that's when I kind of, even though I never really watched the show, I really gave up there because the those two together made no sense. I agree with that. They have no chemistry together. No sense. None. No on-screen chemistry together. The the thing to do would have been to have Robin and Ted together at the end, sort of like exactly. Saved by the Bell with Zach and You're Kelly. reading my mind. Yes. They had wow. great chemistry together. Stupid. Because you know what it is? When when there's... When, a, a, when someone comes up with a premise for a sitcom... And it's not just your typical, it takes place in a bar, it takes place in a house, it's a fit. When it's, when hey, it's, hey, what's wrong with it taking place in a bar, Woody? I'm saying that that's a more general premise, so you can go in a lot of different directions with it. But when you have a very specific targeted premise, and it gets picked up, and you're on one season. All right, it's good. You, you're 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 working toward this premise. Second mm. season, you're you're continuing down the road to this premise. 
But if your show takes off and it's really popular, and now you're into season five, season six, season seven, seven years later, you can't keep riding on this one specific premise. So it got dragged out. They had to go in all these different directions. And yeah, right, all right. I agree. Ted should have ended up with Robin. They had good chemistry, and it just got dragged out so long that they, they had to keep like adding all this drama and breakups and all this yeah. stuff, and it ruined it. I'm done. Take so, two. Okay, take two. Erase that. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. Thunder, thunder, thundercats. Ho! Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, guys. Yeah.